0: following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I love the last song they were singing. They were singing about take me, take me higher. Take me God to a higher place. The whole journey of faith that we have with God, we see it throughout the Old Testament and the New, is a journey with God is this pilgrimage that we We say yes to God and we begin to walk with him. In the New Testament, we walk with Jesus. In the Old Testament, they walked with Yahweh. God revealed himself, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they walked with God. And all along the journey of walking with God, God was willing to take them to higher places. In order for God to take them to higher places, they had to walk victoriously. They had to be obedient to God and walk in faith. And God would meet them with his power. Every time Israel walked with faith and obedience, God would meet them with His supernatural power. Last week we looked at Joshua chapter 6, and there were some amazing revelation last week. In what are the, the keys, what are the keys for you and I to walk in victory? How do we walk in success? Why does God give people victory and success? How come God shows up with supernatural power sometimes? And we looked last week at the Jericho Principles, The kind of things that God blesses and God rewards and gives victory. It was amazing. But today we're looking at Joshua chapter 7. And right after Israel comes off of this amazing conquest. The biggest military victory in their lives. Today the table turns a little bit. And they're dealing with some setbacks. And the reason they're dealing with setbacks is simply because of compromise. It's been said that compromise is to go just a little bit lower than you know what is right. Compromise. Just to go a little lower than what God's shown us. Israel, by the way, this is the thesis in the the book of Joshua. We're going to be finishing with this chapter today. I want to encourage all you guys to continue reading the book of Joshua. We went through it in the men's uh, group last year. We went through the whole book. I want to encourage you too. But... These two chapters, last week and this week, really are the thesis for this entire book of Joshua. How God blesses and gives victory, how He rewards, how He meets us with His power and His presence, and then how we can compromise and God says, I'm sorry, I can't bless that. And God takes a step back. And then, then when you read the rest of the book, in fact, when you read the rest of the Old Testament, you see the same tension going on of Israel turning to God saying, we want to get rid of compromise, and God saying bravo, I can bless you, I can meet you, I can give you victory, I can provide for you, and then Israel getting a little bit comfortable, a little too comfortable, and starting to relax a little bit, and starting to compromise, and as they do, God says, I'm sorry, I can't bless that, and there's this back and forth tension of Israel, walking with God, and drifting their own way, walking with God, and drifting in their own way, and it, and it's a beautiful snapshot in these two chapters of Joshua because really, it's the thesis for the whole Old Testament. So Israel has this compromise. And God cannot bless compromise. Compromise, we're talking about sin, and everyone say the word sin. Sin. Everybody flips out. Don't judge me. You know, uh, Sin. Sin's a common word. It's as common as people breathing. People sin around the globe. That's why God sent his son. Sin really means... There's a few definitions in the Bible that really describe sin really well. The first one is missing the mark. You're aiming. You're aiming at a target. And guess what? You don't hit the bullseye. In fact, you fall short. That's sin. And we all fall short. Every one of us. and so no one's exempt. So we don't have to freak out when we say sin. Sin is a bad word. We all okay, we all sin and fall short. God knows that. We should know that. Sin is one dimension. That's an area we compromise. Sometimes we don't even aim at the target. We just, yeah, just... Compromise. Compromise. Falling short. The other one is to transgress. Where God's got a boundary. He's got a parameter. He's got a pathway for us. And we go, yeah, I know he does. But I think I'm going to step on over to the wild side for a second. And we get outside of God's patterns, parameters. Even though this is where the blessing is, we think it might be okay. And we realize it's not. It's not. And that's transgressing. And the other term the Bible uses for sin or compromise, falling short, is iniquity. And that's when you step over the line and you get the mess on you, the mud. And you're coming back to God and you've got this iniquity on you. Does that make sense? So it's falling short. It's stepping over the line. It's getting the stuff on us. they were like, oops. And it's trying to come back to God. That's the iniquity. All of these are areas that in our lives we make compromises along the way. So did Israel. I'm hoping we can look at this because there's a blessability in God's economy. And when we walk in obedience and in faith, there is a blessability that God offers his people. Israel's a case study on that. And when there's compromise or sin or falling short, God's like, hey, I love you and I've got mercy, but I can't bless that. So in this chapter, in uh, Joshua chapter 7, This is where it's going. And the setup, God had already told them in Deuteronomy chapter 30, before they even got to the promised land, God's looking out at these two mountain ranges. And he says, Israel, I want you all to look at these two mountain ranges, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. I want you to remember these two. You'll always see them in the land. You'll always remember what I'm telling you. God's saying, I'm giving you this spiritual law. And spiritual laws, by the way, they don't go away. They're not like, well, that was Old Testament. This is new. No, spiritual laws are spiritual laws. They're timeless, and they're, they're in effect. And God made them up, and they, and they work. And he says, I'm putting before you blessings and curses, life and death. This one's blessing and life. This is curses and death. You choose, but I'm going to give you a hint. Choose life. So Israel's on notice. They've got these two paths they can take. And then the whole Old Testament, certainly in Joshua, you see. I think we're going to be on this side. I think I can float over here. No, I can't. I better get back. And there's this constant thing going on about obedience and faith and compromise, weaved all the way through. And in this passage, if you, uh, you want to start with the, I want to look at jo- uh, Joshua chapter six, just a couple of verses to set up Joshua chapter seven. And this is what God told them right before the victory. Right before they come and take Jericho. They've been in Egypt for 400 years. They've been in the desert for 40 long years. The last generation did not get in. Because they did not have the faith to believe God. That God was given them the land. The next generation finally says God we're going to believe you. We're going to take you at your word. If you say it we believe it. There might be giants in the land. But if you said you're giving us the land. We believe you. They cross the Jordan River in faith. They get to their first enormous city. And they've never seen anything like it. And the walls are super thick. And the people are warriors. And they're thinking, this is not looking good. God's like, i got a plan. You're going to walk around the city. You're not going to say a word. You're going to trust me. You're going to carry the ark, which represents my presence. And then on the seventh day, do what I tell you to do. And they blow the trumpets and the walls fall down. God exponentially... Raise the volume and the vibration of their shouts where the, the entire city structure clapped on all sides and Israel went straight in. God's given them the city. But what he told them right before they go into the city is this in Joshua chapter 6, verse 17. God says, You're gonna go in there, but there's there's certain things you need to know. I'm giving you the city, you're taking the land, there's a whole promised land. But there's a couple of things, and God called them devoted things. Would you guys say that with me? Devoted things, one time. Devoted things. God's saying, there's these devoted things I want you to know about. I'll give me the land that you've got to know about these devoted things. And I think when we look at this, we're going to learn from it as well. I know it certainly spoke to me. But in Joshua chapter 6, verse 17 through 19, God says, look, this city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. This is when they're about to take Jericho. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are in her house shall be spared because she had the spies that we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are to be sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. Here's this random little two verses dropped in the middle of a battle sequence. Israel's ready to take the land. they got the soldiers front and rear. they got the Ark of the Covenant with the priests and the trumpets. And they're about to go in. God's like, ready. It's going to happen. Let me just tell you these two verses really quick. Before you go in, there's devoted things. And these devoted things, if you knew, and I said this last week, but... The the, the culture of Canaan, it was so demonic. The stuff they did is beyond anything we could explain. They would take brand new delivered babies and throw them into the fire of Molech, a burning God. I mean, God is saying, enough already. This was going on and on and on and on. And God's like, I am done with this. My cup of wrath is full. There's going to be a consequence. For this level of depravity. And God's like, I'm going to deal with it. So God says, when you go into that city, there's a couple of things. They're called devoted things. One of the devoted things, he's saying, it's the demonic stuff. When you go in there, there's going to be a bunch of demonic stuff. He goes, I want you to get rid of, destroy all the demonic stuff. Don't look at it. Don't keep it. Don't like, hey, I wonder what this does. Get rid of it. Get rid of all the demonic stuff. And then the other things, there's going to be some sacred things. And in this case... There was metals. He's like, bring these into the Lord's treasury. So there's some things when you get in there are supposed to be set apart for God. And other things are supposed to be destroyed. It was the first city. This was a law of first fruits. God was shown. That's the first city out of many. And some are demonic. Destroy them. Some are sacred. Put them in the Lord's treasury. Uh, if you're a note taker today and you want to know how you can avoid failures in your journey. How you can avoid the setbacks. Last week was all about the ways of victory. And we saw that in the taking of Jericho. But today we're going to see some setbacks for God's people. God's people that he loves had setbacks. They didn't always have victory in every battle. And there's a reason why they didn't. And when you and I don't have victory in all of our battles. It would be wise for us to ask some of these questions. And check ourselves. Uh, The first point this thing. This morning is to identify the devoted things in your life. The devoted things. The devoted things are the things God's already spoke to you about. His word has made it clear to you. He's already shown you, hey listen, these things, I want them to go away and these things are devoted to me. We're not under the law. We're under grace and yet there are spiritual laws in place God's blessability and God's protection and God's provision that we can't ignore. Devoted things still apply to my house, to your house, to this church, to this community, to believers today. What things ought to go away that there's no place for them anymore? And what things should be devoted to God? I would encourage all of you today or at some point, if you're married, speak to your spouse, go home, if you're single, pray about God. What are the devoted things? What are the things you already spoke to me about? God already spoke to them about what devoted things are. I trust he's already spoken to you or will begin to show you what are devoted things. And it matters because this is where their compromise set in regarding the devoted things. And they start losing and they go through some devastation. They go through some setbacks and they're trying to figure out why. And God's like, it's the devoted things, guys. Uh, Joshua chapter 7 it goes on to say... But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, and the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth Egin, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men and and take it and do not weary all the people, for only a few men are there. So about three thousand men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them on, on the slopes. After this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Israel just had the most amazing victory in their history. And they turn around with all kinds of confidence, still celebrating, and all of a sudden go through a devastating defeat. And they're all shaken up. It says 36 men died. That's 36 mothers who no longer have a son, 36 wives who don't have a husband, and 36 sets of children who don't have a dad because of something in how This is a big deal. Israel's devastated. It says, in fact, their hearts melted. They're like, oh no, now what, God? I don't know about you, but whenever I suffer any kind of setback, my heart melts a little bit too. You guys ever do that? You're like, oh, God, what? What's going on? Have you guys ever done that? Like you're praying or you're hoping and you're believing and whatever, you just keep praying, and all of a sudden it seems like a pretty dramatic setback. God, what's going what's going on? I thought, I thought you were with, with me in this, God, or I thought, I thought there was gonna be victory here, God, and I I don't know why there's not. And we, we go through the same thing. We ask the same thing. We start doing, if we were honest, why God? Why? could have been different God you could have made a different God you could have showed up and did the miracle God you didn't you could have why why didn't you do it God did you not hear my prayer or why I think you and I did the exact same thing that Israel did why God why didn't you bless us we're not alone Joshua and all the elders did exactly that God brought us over you crossed the Jordan you knocked the walls down it's the next city why God why did, why did we get a victory why did we get a setback like this let's read how it goes Joshua chapter 6 then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down on the ground before the ark of the Lord Remained there until evening and the elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh Lord, what can I say? Now that Israel has been routed by its enemies, the Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your great name? Picture the scene. Joshua and the people are crushed by a setback, a defeat. There was no victory here. They didn't see God show up in his power, in his protection, in his provision, in blessing, and everything they hoped for. They didn't see it. And Joshua is on his face in the dirt. Get the picture. On his face in the dirt, and he's kneeling before the Ark of the Covenant, it says. The Ark represents the very presence of God. God told him early on, I'll be your God. You'll be my people, I will make my dwelling among you. And every time they travel, they pick up the Ark of the Covenant. God is dwelling with them, leading them by fire by day, a cloud by day, and fire by night. And they pick up the Ark, and they would move, and they would camp, and they would move. And before they took the first city, they took the Ark with them every step of the way. Because we need God's presence in everything we do. The second battle, by the way, they didn't take God's presence with them. In fact, the second battle, we don't even see that they prayed. The first text, they were, God, what do we do? God gave them instruction. The second battle against Theod, we don't even see that they prayed. Maybe they did. The Bible's silent on the matter. It doesn't show they prayed. It sounds like they just had a good idea. Ah, it's an easy city. Let's just take two or three thousand guys. No problem. No problem. They don't take the Ark of the Covenant. And after this defeat, Joshua is on his face, in the dirt, before the Ark of the Covenant, crying out to God, all day long and all the elders are joining him. They're all on their face in the dirt before the ark of God and it's finally becoming nighttime going, why God? Why God? Why? And then God shows up. God shows up and God speaks. And this is what he says in verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down there on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them in their own possessions. That is why Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. That which is devoted is among you. O Israel, you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. So Joshua and the elders, they're on their face for hours in the dirt before the covenant thinking that the problem is God. You heard their prayer, God, Why? Now they're going to think this. Now we're going to lose everything. We shouldn't have crossed the river. Why, God? Why? Why? And they're yelling out to God about the problem. And God says, General, get off your face. Get out of the dirt. God's saying, the problem is not me. The problem is me. Whoa. That's a paradigm shift, isn't it? Have you, have you ever wondered that in your life? I wonder that in mind when we're crying out to God, why, God, why? And we assume that it's God who's not doing what God must do. We assume that. Are we God? I pray for this. How come you're not doing what I asked you to do? Sometimes, sometimes we don't understand the timing of God, the will of God, how He works. We don't always understand. He's sovereign. He's his ways are above ours as the heaven is above the earth. We cannot know all the reasons why this side of heaven, but in heaven we'll know why. However, however, sometimes, maybe we're not seeing it because of us. Because Joshua and the elders, who are a pretty spiritual crew of people, totally miss this. And they're crying before the ark in their face all day long, why, why, why? And God goes, get up. It's not me. You guys, it's your camp. There's a problem in your camp. I didn't put it there. You guys did. It's your camp. I gave you guidelines, but you let things in the camp that don't belong in your camp. You let things in your camp that don't belong in your camp, and this would apply to you. And if I let things in my camp, this will apply to me as well. Um, God says, "Look, you didn't follow my word." This is what God says. Here's a list of what He says. You didn't follow my word. There's consequences for the compromise, essentially. He says verbatim, you won't be able to stand against your enemies. You'll be running away from the battles. You'll be liable for destruction. I love that mercy. God's not saying you will be destroyed. You're liable for it. I might protect you, but you're liable for destruction. He's telling Israel. And if you don't do something about it, he says, I won't be with you anymore. He says, until you remove the sin, there will be no victory. Wow. Wow. See, God set a precedent up here that people would know compromise and sin is a really big deal with God. Remember Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden through the coolness of the day. They're just walking around in community together. Hey, Father. Hey, children, how are you? Great, Father. What a beautiful day you made today. I'm glad you like it, children. I mean, open dialogue creation. Sin comes in. Oof, they're off hiding. God's like, hello. Where are you? He you knows They're hiding it. Why are you hiding it? Uh, The woman you gave me, she did it. (laughs) She's like, no, that that, that snake that you made, he did it. It wasn't me. (laughs) And the blame has been shifted for thousands of years ever since. But the reality of this sin is compromised and it separates the relationship and there's no less ability. In fact, it puts some consequences in place that we go, why, why, why? And sometimes it's not God, it is us. And in this thing right here, we, we have to realize, as our second point this morning, by the way, if you're a note taker, when we walk away from God's plan, we walk away from God's power. You can't have God's power when we walk away from his Planet. and he lays these things out in our life and his word is full of direction of he's given us everything we need for life and godliness and when we are on notice and we take a giant step sideways we're seeing a case study with Israel where you can't have the power if you don't want to walk in the in the planet and, and Israel is learning that really quickly right now and they're going to struggle with this lesson through the rest of the book of Joshua. The irony is. They thought the problem was gone. I believe we sometimes think the problem is gone. Maybe it's us not doing the word. They heard what the word was, but they didn't do what the word said. And uh, God's saying, look, there's a cause for the mess that you're in. The cause is sin in the camp. Now here's the thing about sin in the camp. If there's sin in my camp, if there's sin in your camp. The effects of sin are far and wide. Here's what's interesting about And we all sin and fall short. So this is not like, oh, we we all sin and fall short. Sin is no longer the rule. If you're a believer, it's no longer the rule. It's the exception to the rule. It's not a way of life anymore. It used to be, but sin still comes up. And when it does, what do we do? We all sin and fall short. We got to deal with it. The reality is the consequence, the effects of it, are a lot further and wider than we think. See, in this story... The person doing the sinning figured, hey, that's my own little thing. And it's actually got a wider effect than anything. The third point this morning is that my sin affects those around me. This is an important spiritual law. In the Old Testament, they were well aware of this. If you look at the book of the law, if you read what it says in, in Deuteronomy, in Leviticus, and it was talking about sin in the camp, and it really went really in extreme detail. That if there were these things, then you step out of the camp. And you get right with God, and you come back to the camp. This is the heart of God. This wasn't a man-made thing. This is God's like, I'm trying to instruct you in the way of this relationship. I want to be your God and you'll be my people and I'll make my dwelling among you and I'll never leave or forsake you and I'll I'll show up in power and provision and direction. But when you step out of the plan, I I, I can't bless that and I can't pour out my power for compromise. And when there's something in the camp, step out of the camp, get right, and come back to the camp. I love you. I take you back. I restore you. He's, he's the God of restoration. But there was a thing about sin going out of the camp. And the reason why God wanted to do that is he didn't want it to affect the whole camp. And in this story here, someone's like, no one's ever going to know. And don't worry, it won't affect everybody else. And that's really a big fallacy. The effects are far and wide. My sin affects those around me. Uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, it says 5, 6, a little leaven leavens the whole batch. And that's true. If, uh, if, if if I'm out of order with God in my life, it will affect my personal walk with God. It will affect the blessability of God in my life. Um, we are told in the Bible in Peter that if we're not right before God, that our prayers can be hindered. You're like, what? What do you mean my prayer is hindered? Yeah, you're not walking right before God and your prayer got hindered. You're like, really? Doesn't God answer? No, no. If you're available much of the prayers of the righteous when we're walking right before god it's like yeah i can do and when we're off base and we're praying god's like yeah I, I just really can't bless that and so there's this theme going on here there's this thrust going on here in the bible about being in a place where god can honor and god can, can bless and so this is how god moves along in verse 14 and this is how god brings us back around to deal with with things but the The reality is the effects are far and wide. If they're in your house, it will affect those around you. You know, it's really easy. When someone's sin affects you, it's very easy to say, I'm going through this because somebody sinned against you. If somebody hurt you, for example, somebody sinned against you. If they did something to you that you didn't deserve or they said something to you or they... Whatever It could be a, a, in, a, in a home, something domestic. It could be where somebody overstepped guidelines, parameters, there's hurt, there's pain. It's very easy to say the consequences of their sin caused this. Is it not? You guys know what I'm talking about? Very, very easy to do that. It's not always easy to say consequences of my sin have affected others. But that's the reality. And God's trying to get them to understand this picture that when they're sitting in the camp, there's a lack of... Blessability, and we we encourage that for all of our leaders here at Metro too, for everyone in the church. That if there's sin in our camp, okay, deal with it. That's not a revelation. If sin comes out, stop and deal with it. But the effects are far and wide, and there's a lack of blessability in a personal life, in a home, in a family, uh, in your singleness if you're single. You know, if, if there's an area where where you're not walking right before God, you can't expect the blessing. You got you got to. Consecrate, as he's telling Israel, if you consecrate yourself means get yourself right again in my presence. Walk away from that. Get rid of the things that don't belong there. The things that are devoted to me, devote to me. The the things that are devoted to evil, get rid of them. Consecrate yourself. I'm going to do a new thing all over again. But in the meantime, there's a lack of blessing. And this is important because this is the reason. Israel, if they only got this lesson down, they would have saved themselves. So many defeats along the way. They had great victories, but they also had defeats because they kept forgetting this particular lesson. I think Christians do as well. It says in verse 14, in the morning, God's calling them, present yourself tribe by tribe. The tribe that the Lord takes shall come forward clan by clan. The clan that the Lord takes shall come forward family by family. And the family that the Lord takes shall come forward man by man. He who is caught with the devoted things Shall be destroyed by fire. Along with that all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord. And has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Early the next morning. Joshua and Israel came forward. By tribes. And Judah was taken. The clans of Judah came forward. And he took the Zarahites. The he had said to the clan of Zarahites, Come forward by families. And Zimri was taken. Joshua had his family come forward. Man by man. Achan son of Cameron, and the son of Zimri, and the son of Zerah, and of the tribe of Judah was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to God, the God of Israel, and give him the praise. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan replied, it's true. It's true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shekels of silver, and a and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messages and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent. They brought them to Joshua and all the Israels and they spread them out before the Lord. The thesis right here, God's telling them is there's, there's no victory as long as there's still sin in the camp. I love how the leaders, they didn't walk over, they ran over. They're like, we need victory and we can't have any more defeat. Where is the sin? And they run to it. And they uncover it. They uncover it because sin is usually covered. People do go to great lengths to cover sin, to hide sin. Adam and Eve hid. Achan hid. It's the nature of sin to hide it. Um, And the thing about God Almighty is people think that sin is secret or sin is hidden. You know, it's like a little personal, little little small center it's hidden. And the reality is, nothing's hidden from God. I mean, God sees everything. God saw this sin in the beginning. God knew where this stuff was. And I think it just tells us that, that, that we ought to have the, the, the attitude. It's not guys to get all bummed out and like all condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is not a message about condemnation. This is a message about, message about I put before you blessings and curses, life and death. Choose life as God's hint. I'm giving you the Choose life. Choose the blessings. But if you compromise, don't expect all your prayers answered. Don't expect God to come through in power and provision in all kinds of ways that you're hoping He does. Don't be expecting God to take us higher when we're not faithful with the little things. He can't make us faithful with the greater things. This is a personal discipleship thing. This is something about my walk with God and your walk with God. It's something about our corporate walk with God. What will we allow in our tent? What do we put up with? How do we treat devoted things? Yeah, I'm under grace. I don't care about devoted things. That's the way some people do. That's Old Testament. Spiritual laws are spiritual laws. Reaping and sowing is reaping and sowing. That doesn't go away. These are realities. There's a blessability in these things. To God, our fourth point, is no, to God, no sin is secret. And in this case, it cost Achan his life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There's the beauty. That even though we have consequences for what we've done, Jesus said, it's okay, I'll pay the price for those. But one of the conditions, if you look at, if you look at the entire thrust of the New Testament, in every New Testament, spirit-filled believer, there was one condition, turn, turn and it. That word turn. Aiken. He didn't turn. Aiken got caught. Aiken never confessed anything. He got caught. It's like Aiken, we got you on video. We got you on video, bud. High definition, dude. Boom. We got it. All right. Okay, I did it. All right. I did it. Yeah, you did it because we got got you on video. But Aiken said, never said. You know what? I did something wrong. I want to. I want to get before God. And if he did, there wouldn't have been all this fallout. From the consequences. This is my prayer for us. In fact, this would be a good time for the worship team to go come forward. Um, my prayer is that you and I, individually and us collectively, we walk in victory, that we go to higher places with God, that God can trust us with little things so that we can He can make us trusted with greater things. That we can move forward in the victories, the struggles and the battles and the prayers you have in your life, that God would answer them and bless them. I, I, my prayer is that there'd be an enormous blessability in our life, but it really hinges much on how we view compromise. Is, are we casual about compromise? I'm not talking about being legalistic or under the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. But when we look at spiritual things, when we look at compromise, which by the one definition is to go a little bit lower than we know that is right, Compromise. We can't expect the blessability. However, when we aim, well-intended, to throw off the sin, the things that entangle us, the things that we know are compromised, to say, yeah, I used to do that, but I don't anymore, because God's calling me higher. God has revealed to me devoted things, things that are uh, not of him, that need to simply go away and be destroyed, and other things that are devoted to God. God's revealed these things. I want to kind of chart my course. I don't want to step over the line. If I do... I'm gonna to run to God. I'm not gonna get caught or found out. I'm gonna turn and go to him personally because I wanna walk in this, this river of grace, so to speak. I wanna walk in this place of blessability. I wanna walk in the zone where God can answer my prayers. availeth much are the prayers of the righteous. I wanna walk right before my God. And God will honor that. That's where you wanna be. That's the victorious Christian life. Anything with a pseudo-compromise in there, God's like, wow. I wanna give you victory, but you are probably gonna get some defeats and setbacks along the way. You might clench your fists and go, why God, why God? And he may tell you what he tells me and tells others. Maybe it's not me, God would say, maybe it's, maybe it's you. Where we have to turn around and search, search our own tent. Does anybody open to searching in their tent? Mm-hmm. No, that Search your tent. Check with God on devoted things. And the way you search your tent is you search your heart. And God's revealed things. Everyone's at a different place in their walk and their faith and their revelation in his word. And the spirit's calling direction as he's calling you higher and be responsible for. They're God's revealed things to you. No matter what step of the faith you're at, God's revealing these are devoted things that are devoted to destruction. Get rid of them. These are devoted from the and we should start with this temple right here where we say, I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. I'm not even my own. I belong to Him. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave Himself home. And when you have that kind of modality, you don't want to step over lines. But if you're like, yeah, no, it's my own life and I'll do what I want with it. I'll make my choices. God's like, wow, it's going to be a, a longer journey. It's going to be a harder journey. And they'll be set back. That's not the heart of God for us. The heart of God is that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. The heart of God is that we walk with Jesus. That as the Bible says, we stay in step with the Spirit. Stay in step with the Spirit. And if you and I walk according to the Word and stay in step with the Spirit, then if there is any prayer that's not answered, that's up to God. That's not going to be us. And we can know with full assurance, God, I'm walking right before you. I'm not a perfect person, but I am aimed. I got my eyes on the prize. I might mess up, but I'm going to get up and run back to you. I'm not staying there and making an excuse for it. When I mess up, not if, when I do, I am going to come right back to you because you're full of grace and mercy and I'm going to keep walking with you say beautiful, my son, my daughter, keep coming, I love you. But when we're over there and go, yeah, nobody really knows and it won't affect others. I was like, wow. Yeah, no, I can't answer that prayer. I can't bless you with that one. And it's not as hard. So I just want to encourage you guys as we close in prayer, check your camp. Search your tent. Search your heart. Ask God about devoted things that need to go away or to be devoted to Him. Ask Him what that means to you. Spend time. Camp out with God this week. The Bible says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's why we keep going back to the cross. We keep going back to Jesus. And He's there all the time saying, no problem. Just keep coming I want to close in prayer. I just also want to encourage you, if you have a prayer need, come up and see our prayer team. Because life is not easy. And there are struggles along this journey. And there are cries of our heart for prayer. And maybe you do need some breakthrough in some areas. And maybe you don't know why. Maybe you're like, God, I don't think it's anything in my life. I don't know, but I'm crying out to you, God, for this. And I'm not really seeing it breakthrough i want to encourage you if you have a prayer a need a burden request come forward and seek prayer. god is doing amazing things there's been some physical healings lately that god has graced this community with not because of us but because of him if you have a need whether it's physical or it's emotional or it's financial or whatever it is please come forward and let's stand before god in prayer as we are the type of people who say god search this tent I want to be right before you. I want to have the kind of prayer life that you can honor. I want to have the kind of life that you will bless. I want to walk in the kind of victory that you will say, yes, I can, I can shine my light in a person like that. And uh, Lord, that's our prayer this morning. So would you just seal some of these things in our heart, Lord God. Just like we saw the Jericho principles of victory last week. Uh, this week was the other side of the coin where we, where we saw the, the, the reasons for setback and why they occur. And why sometimes you don't show up with power? Because maybe it's not you, maybe it is us, and maybe there's things that simply need to go. They don't belong in the camp anymore. They belong back in the desert. We're not in the desert anymore. We're in a new land. So Lord, would you take those things that are? Would you show us even in our homes or apartments to go? If we have anything in our house that's actually devoted to destruction, as your word says, it's time to go. Not even sell stuff. Just throw it away. It's time to go. Let it go. And let us live in a new level of freedom, a new level of consecration, not under the law, but a blessable life that you can pour your spirit out in God. You want to pour your spirit out in available people that are just honest, not perfect, but just transparent before you, God. So would you do that for us, God? Would you take us to a higher ground? Would you take us to places that we haven't been? Would you give us opportunities? We want a life that is blessable. We want the life and the blessings. We don't want the curses or death in any area of God. Would you show us how to partner with you in faith and obedience to have the kind of life that you will bless? I thank you for that, Lord. I just want to pray for any of you today that haven't had just a single day in history where maybe they acknowledge you and they appreciate you and believe you're God, which is a beautiful place to begin, but haven't had that day of literally surrender, of getting off the throne of their life and putting you on it. That's really where life begins, Lord. And I just wanna pray uh, for those right now, Lord, who are willing to take that step of faith to say, God, I don't just respect you and honor you, I actually wanna to commit to following you. I wanna make you the Lord of my life. And everyone's eyes closed and heads down. That's good. would you just raise your hand this morning. I just wanna agree with you in prayer, amen. Anybody else, yes, yes, Hands are going Anybody else? Let's say it's commitment time, Lord, amen. You know, God will honor this, yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I just pray for those who are saying yes to this new level, this new level of your kingdom, this new level of trust, really, to know that your ways are the best ways and ours aren't, Lord. It's a beautiful day of revelation when that happens. I thank you for moving on the hearts that you said in that day. Don't harden your heart, Lord. And these, these children of yours said, I'm not hardening my heart. You're my loving father. i got to go your direction, God. Lord, I just pray you seal some things in the heart today. And believing that your son of God came and died on a cross. to died for our sins to take our place to pay a price we can never pay. And we say thank you. Forgive us for our sins. We turn and follow you. And unlike Achan, Lord, we may slip and we may fall. But we're going to come back to the cross. And we're going to go to you, God. We're not going to live in a place of compromise. And Lord God, I just pray for those who said that, Lord, that they would commit to a new level of growing in your revelation. And your word, Lord God, that you would begin to do beautiful and amazing things. And if you said that prayer this morning, come up and see our prayer team. We want to just give you a Bible and encourage you in your first steps. We can't get more for a new level of commitment in your life. God, we love you. We thank you. We ask that you have your way among us. Bless our fellowship lunch after the service. Take us higher, God. We don't want status quo, God. We are part of the fellowship of the unashamed. We have the Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. The decision has been made. We are disciples of yours. Our past is redeemed. Our present makes sense. And our future is secure. We are through and done now with low living, sidewalking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, and tamed visions. Jesus. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages, or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.